welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am back, your host, Michelle Hutink, and with Christian Conway this time. Oh man, it's always be it's always nice to be invited to the dance, is it not? Always. Um, so we will start with um somber news, actually. Uh, the Yates report came out about all of the unfortunate and like I hate to say not surprising right because NWSL has been dealing with allegations and for the longest so you know for the report to come out it it was it was a tough read I mean obviously um you know trigger warning here but you know these these things need to be brought to everyone's attention like I mean, we can't emphasize enough how angry we were the last time um you know allegations came out and so you know what what are they gonna do now i mean are they gonna you know how do you i mean how do they even well, make sure that this doesn't keep happening well u.s soccer came out and and was was very aggressive about their response to this they said you know we have these very clear uh pathways that since the athletic article has come out we are are dealing with it's it's a bunch of committees and uh oversight uh uh, organizations that they've created in organs to, in order to prevent this from happening. But I mean, I, I got to about 76 pages last night and I, I kind of gave up because it was it, nothing surprised me. And yet everything angered me. If that makes sense, it's 319 pages of players. And it's not just, you know, obviously the original athletic article went with Mala Shim and um, Sinead, uh, her last name uh, escapes me. Uh, but, but, but basically it's 200 players that got involved in this 200 players. And at some point where does, you know, like where does your humanity get drawn? Right. Like I, I look at a lot of the, the reports that were being made about, you know, for example, Christy Holly sexually abusing a player as punishment for having a bad game, you know, Rory Dames and, and what he was verbally doing, you know, to players, you know, using, you know, homophobic slurs and racial slurs, you know, acting like he was one of the boys, quote unquote, you know, Paul Riley and everything that's been well documented about him. And I, I, I look at those people. And then again, we look at the fact that in the past year, we've lost seven coaching staff members due to these kind of things where it's impropriety and just where does your humanity begin? I think that's the thing that frustrates me is that I read a lot of these accounts and I'm just like, to the people that were in these positions of power, where does your humanity begin? Because you know what you're doing is wrong. But then how do you justify this? And I understand, you know, the whole entire concept of absolute power corrupts absolutely. I get it. But how, how do you find this as a human being to be acceptable behavior? And further, you know, I, I, I the reason that we started recording late today was because I was watching the um, E60 documentary that just came out today. And I urge you to watch it about, this Yates report that just came out where, you know, basically you listen to Lisa Baird, who was the commissioner of the NWSL when all of this was, was starting to come to light and go down. And she can't answer the questions correctly because she's trying to cover her own tracks. And it's, it just speaks to such a systemic volume of everyone was okay with this. And how, like we failed so many players, right? Like we, we, we have failed so many players and it, it's nothing that we didn't really expect, but the depth of it, I think, is what really breaks me in the sense of it's 200 players talking and saying the same thing. 
Yeah. And that's what I find so hard. I mean, you nailed it. It's like, yeah. How, how many times and how many ways can we keep saying it? And, and I know that we have to, um, we have to talk about it. We have to, you know, expose what's going on, but it's just like, it's just sickening. It's sickening that, that I don't, want to re-victimize them in a way i know that it's, it's empowering in a way to share what's going on but at the same time it's like 300 pages of like re-victimizing everyone it's just i understand it's necessary but it's just so hard to find you know that it's enough for somebody to say something happened to them without having to like prove you know how terrible this is like we should we, we should already accept and believe the victims you know i think there's there's three prongs here. One, I agree with you that them coming forward and re-victimizing themselves is an incredibly painful experience. There's no question about that. The two prongs that I'd also point to is the two parts of the report that really frustrate me and and anger me in a certain respect is the way that not just NWSL, but U.S. soccer as a federation understood what was going on and did nothing about it. Because you have to remember, Paul Riley was, was a powerhouse in NWSL. He was quite frankly, going to be the next U.S. Women's National Team head coach until Portland came out and said, look, we're going to have to go live with all the information we have about him if he is hired because we just can't sit on the sidelines. But they let him go to North Carolina. Like, why is why would you let him go to North Carolina in the first place? Why not come live with this information that you've been given? The second thing that I think really broke me was uh, in the in the summary findings where – Yates finds that a lot of these players don't understand this as abuse because they've been subjected to it from the youth level. It, it talks about a rot that is so deep that you almost want to burn the entire system down, right? Because if at the youth level, into the college level, into the club level, into the professional level, et cetera, et cetera, we're okay with this in terms of blurring the line between I believe the line they use is blurring the line between professional relationship between player and coach is I think the exact line they use. I might be paraphrasing a little bit there. It, 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 like we've normalized this at so many levels that the fact that this report comes out and pretty much everyone's reaction has been what's well, heartbreaking. It's painful to read. We're not really surprised. And that's a problem like that, that in and of itself is a microcosm problem of what's going on. And the fact that we normalize the conversations of, you know, sexualizing players or abusing players or using, you know, horrible verbal abuse to them at a young age to the point where when they get to the professional level, um, you know, hearing Mana Shim earlier today during that documentary and in and, and her uh, testimony here in this piece, I mean, she talks a lot about how, you know, Paul Riley knew he was in a position of power to control her career. And yet she went along with a lot of what he put her through because she didn't know if she was going to get another paycheck again. Like we've created a system where we've allowed these people to use their positions of power and they know they can get away with it because of the margins of what women's soccer is in this country. It, it, it's, it makes for painful reading, but it's also a reckoning that I think was coming down the pipe for a very long time. I'm grateful that it was published and I'm grateful that we're having the conversations we're having. I just wish that we didn't have to have these conversations. And instead we looked at women's sport in general as something to be respected 
And the fact of the matter is that a lot of people who have predatory natures have looked at the margins that women's sports exists in and says, I can needle my way in here and I can use that to encourage my predatory behavior. And it it, it frustrates me to no end. Yeah. And, uh, and like you said, just the fact that these players, you know, who already are not treated equally in the sport, right? Like it's so, you know, f- financially and everything. I mean, that's why the U S uh, women's lawsuit and everything was such a, you know, such a, a step forward for women, but then you hear a report like this and it's like, yep, yeah, but like there's still work to be done, um, you know, to, yeah not just only prevent this but you know the the healing that now hopefully the players can begin and i'm so glad that they spoke up i'm so glad that you know um they did this for the sport because it it was happening and yeah uh you know i want to say you know it's a step in we don't have to have you know that this will happen again but you know we got to just keep fighting the the good fight and supporting the players you know we want to make it so it's just soccer not women's soccer not men's soccer but this is one of those things where it's like yeah this is very much um you know yeah marginalizing the women even more for lack of a better word i i i want to make one final point about this uh the the amount of in the report the report is very easily accessible uh it's 319 pages of legal deposition and as someone who is around the legal field a lot. It's it's a a tough read, but also b it's a very legal read, which means it's it's relatively boring. So uh, I understand if you do not want to uh, get through all three hundred and nineteen pages. I I I am sympathetic to that simply because it is um, very deposition based, and those are generally not fun reads. the The amount of times that the alarm bells were sounded and no one in positions of power did anything, I think, is the most disheartening thing. And it's the most angering thing to me because, you know, I, I look at it, I approach it from two different angles, which is I approach it from the, you know, I, I put myself in the position of, you know, if I was a, a decision maker in U.S. soccer or in these clubs and this came to me, what would I do? And the fact that my response to all of like when when a whistle would would, would be blown, you know, for example, Mala Shim sending emails to. Gavin Wilkinson and and Merritt Paulson in Portland or, you know, other players sending emails about Rory Dames or all these other things, Christy Hawley in, in Louisville. I, 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 my brain is like, well, obviously I'd make some noise about this. Like you have to, you have to make decisions. And yet the amount of covering that a lot of people in positions of power did for those people is infuriating to me. And I'm, I'm grateful that we're in a position right now where, NWSL fans, especially, and NWSL fans may be the best soccer fans in the world because they hold their league accountable. But just the amount of system burning we have to do in order to prevent those people that make decisions from turning a blind eye to these moments. You know, like, I I, I can't believe how many blind eyes were turned, but I'm grateful that this report came out in the sense of this can never happen again. And I'm grateful that everyone's looking at one another and saying, you know what, honestly, we failed a lot of athletes. We can't let this happen. You know, um, a lot of people have come out and said, you know, look, you know, for, for a lot of people, they've, they've tried to cover their tracks. Uh, but for a lot of other people that are now moving into positions of power in the NWSL, USSF, US Women's National Team, they're all saying, look, 
we understand accountability is the most important thing. And that gives me a little bit of hope. But man, the system is broken in a very significant way. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, thank you, Christian, for, you know, helping be more articulate over the feelings. Um, I couldn't bring myself to read the whole thing, which is why I told or even read beyond, you know, um, the, you know, the trigger warning, because it's, it's going to bring up stuff for, for everybody. So I, uh, again, commend the women. Um, and yeah, this cannot happen again where they get failed like this. It's just, yeah, it's unacceptable. All right. Well, LA Galaxy clinched the playoffs with a draw at home against Real Salt Lake. Now, is that the way that we hope the Galaxy would do it? No. You know, we would love to have won it. Um, Ricky Puj missing a penalty, you know, is just like very, very LA Galaxy uh, for this season and you know it's very possible that with a win in houston the galaxy can be sitting in third place can you believe that and this no. team is not third place they don't deserve it i'm sorry not sorry yeah no you're you're not wrong in that respect i i can't believe they would be sitting in third um you know i i thought that game was again very stereotypically la galaxy 2022 which is you know they dominate possession they dominate the shots battle you know they they dominate the expected goals battle the passing was fantastic if you look at the network map it's it's one of the most beautiful passing network max network maps i've ever seen and yet they manage a 1-1 draw right and it's Douglas costa you know riding in on this horse unexpectedly saving the season i thought that you know they got themselves this is exactly what the galaxy have been this year which is it's a team that gets themselves into kill state moments and doesn't always flip the switch uh i think you know you look at the way that they played this game, you know, they, they, they played it with a lot of determination. I thought they probably should have been a little bit better. You know, we talk about the Rick push miss penalty, you know, honestly, that was, that was a weird moment in that game. Wasn't it? Because Chicharito looks like he wanted to take it. And then Pooch was like, nah, I'm going to take it. But I, I thought they had a lot of good opportunities. Um, the last minute goal that Cabral should have scored, right. Where you can tell his confidence is completely shot. Cause he didn't even try to get a foot to it. I mean, he just lets it dummy through to him. Um, but I thought they played pretty well. Um, but then again, they also played a real Salt Lake team that had 36% possession. And just, again, as we talked about in the show last week, X dogged them to death. And that happens when you play real Salt Lake this year. Uh, I don't really think, you know, tactically, I would love to say that there was a lot here. There really wasn't, um, you know, real Salt Lake put numbers behind the ball and made the game dirty and, you know, the galaxy kind of obliged in a certain respect, but again, they got the, they got the job done. And, and that's something that's been evolving over the past couple of weeks where we talked a lot about how they wildly vacillate between data points over the past, I'd say four weeks, they've gotten the job done when they've needed to get the job done and they're getting hot at the right time. And I understand a one, one draw against real Salt Lake, who's not a particularly impressive team may not sound like a big data point, but I think it is. Because if you look at this game, and this game is played in June, right? We're talking about a team that doesn't go out and find that second goal, or that that response goal, right? They miss a penalty in the first half, you know. And I, I will give RSL credit, that goal that Cordova scored was actually fantastic. The movement was was very, very good. But they let that kind of tear them down. They went out and figured this game out. 
you know, they went out and said, all right, nope, we're not going to let this one go. And they, they figured it out. And yeah, it was a penalty and was a penalty, an actual penalty. I'm not the biggest fan in the VAR monitor. Didn't look like it worked and all the rest of that. And, you know, Stout was letting them kill each other out in the field, which plays right into RSL's hands. But they went and figured it out, which I don't think they've done for a lot of this year until they started getting into this slot of games. And I think that's really good for the playoffs because if you can figure it out, then you can win one-off games. And I think they're starting to get there. Yeah, I mean, going back to Pooj missing the penalty, to be honest, not surprised that he did. The other penalty that he took, it almost like deflected off of the keeper. It's like they got a hand on it. So it's like... You know, what is it with our guys um, not being able to take penalties? Well, I say that and then roll into, obviously, the the goal that the Galaxy were able to make, which was Costa's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he made it, and I'm and I'm reacting this way because you know we criticize Kosha so much, and you know you want him to be that guy that um, that you you know he can be. Same thing with Cabral. I, I'm not rooting against my players. You know, I'm not trying to put them down and say, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he's just a has been, or like this this kid, you know, he's stupid and he can't do anything. It's like, why you make those decisions and stuff? And sorry if you hear my gremlin in the background. We have a new Galaxy fan. Um, I have a, I have adopted a puppy. So anyways. Um, the cutest dog in the world. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um, so, you know, I just want to see the Galaxy be the team that we know that they can be. You know, yes, all they needed was a draw to clinch. You know, but if we want to host, like, when was the last time, you know, that we were able to actually be at a playoff game together and feel like, you know, this is, this isn't going to be the only, there's only one game and it's over. You know what I mean? Um, I we know what this team is capable of. We know, um, like you said, sit, you know, if we're watching them, you know, if this would have happened in June and like, we, and you know, you've been following the magazine, you know, we've been inter- interviewing Joe Tutino, like trying to follow and get, you know, the galaxy call their interviews with Tutino, the keys of the match. And we're just trying to find the keys to this team, right? Like what is starting to click? What is starting to work? And, and, um, and and Christian and I will bring you whenever the season ends, um, hopefully later than than sooner. Um, you know, each position and, and the guys that came in and and made it possible for this team that honestly was doing so terrible and not too long ago at all was below playoff contention, potentially could be sitting in third. Now Houston has, you know nothing to lose nothing to gain um they can just be the spoiler of the party and i know that to say that the galaxy win in houston they can host a playoff game it's like <laughs> it's also like are you guys like doing um you know a bruja dance or, or what's going on because you know brujeria like what are what do we need to do to to make it happen where the galaxy can actually pull off a win in Houston, so, I mean, decision day is going to be fun. <laughs> let me let me at least throw in a couple of bits here. I think this is the Galaxy, or I think the Galaxy in 2022, as we understood them before they've entered the slot of games, would have lost this game. And, no, and I have no questions about that. They would have gone down a goal. 
they would have said, look, we've pushed the, you know, we've pushed them as best we can hold on the second half one nil loss at home. No big deal. Remember they lost three games at home this year in quick succession. I mean, there was the, the, the Dallas game, the Houston game, and uh, I believe it was San Jose. Maybe it was, but they, they've not been impressive at home. And yet I don't think the galaxy three months ago figures this game out. They figured it out. And I think that's the thing about it is the galaxy were just missing that grit that, and I hate using the term because it's, you know, a very stupid sports cliche that's like, oh yeah, they're not gritty enough, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, well, whatever. They finally found that grit and they found out how to figure out games. And I think that was something that was lacking. And that's why they were below the playoff line for as long as they were, was because they just couldn't figure out games. You look at the game against uh, Colorado. That's a game that's a trap game, honestly, in my opinion. And they win 4-1. You look at the game against San Jose, you know, they go up 3-0. They concede two goals. Do you really think the Galaxy as constituted in you know june july figures this game out no i don't think so you know they go down a goal against real salt lake a real salt lake team that quite frankly isn't good and we we talk all the time on this podcast about how the galaxy play down to their opposition and i thought this was going to be another night where we talk about you know galaxy played down to real salt lake real salt lake just x x dogged them off the field you know outworked them out pushed them out did everything to them, you know, outsweated them, whatever stat you want to use. And the Galaxy just couldn't figure it out. And yeah, you know, they score a penalty. And and Douglas Costa, I thought was actually fantastic on the night. You know, yeah, it's a penalty goal. It doesn't feel great going home when you draw 1-1 on a penalty that, you know, Rikwi Pooch misses a penalty earlier and should have had a goal on that absolute screamer off the crossbar. Um, but but they figured it out, right? And And that's the thing that I think is the biggest byline of what's going on right now with the Galaxy is, as they get into playoffs and the playoffs, which are so much about figuring it out, they're doing it. And that's huge. And I, I, I wanted to come on here and talk about tactics and talk about how, you know, we overstacked the left-hand side of the field and, and Raheem Edwards was positionally out to sea for most of the entire evening. And we also like took a ton of advantage of it. But at the end of the day, it was all about work. And the galaxy just worked hard to find the game back. And they got there. They got the goal. They figured it out. And, Probably should have had two more in the second half. And Kevin Cabral, again, had one of those games where it's clear that his confidence isn't there. And I feel for I feel for the kid because, you know, you look at the two opportunities he has in the second half. Anyone that's a winger that's confident is going to put those in the back of the net. But he doesn't have that confidence because, be it, you know, he's reading social media or he's seen what's happening generally with his form. I, I hope he can find it because, I mean, Kevin Cabral could you know, be the deciding factor in the playoffs, which would be absolutely fantastic. I look at the way that they're figuring out games now. We didn't have that before. And that's why I'm I'm starting to get a little bit more positive about this Galaxy side, right? Where you look at that US Open Cup run, for example, and I understand it ended in, quite frankly, disappointing circumstances. But in the couple of games before the Sacramento loss, they would be in holes or they would be in positions where things were bad and they would figure it out, but they couldn't translate that to MLS play. I think they're starting to do that. And I think the whole entire thing about MLS and what we talk about with MLS is the best teams or the most successful teams are the ones that are good, but are able to, when things are quote unquote bad, able to figure out just those little moments where 
a game that looks like a loss actually turns into a draw or, you know, you figure out a tight win on the road as they did in San Jose. I just feel like they're, they're starting to get that language and I understand. And I know uh, our, our colleague, Jamie Bacon has said, if they do, if they are successful this year in terms of a playoff run or anything, obviously Chris Klein gets his contract renewed and, and then that would be a tragedy to the club is what I would say. But I think Vanny's finally gotten through to them again, where he's like, hey, look, you know, we've got to be just that little bit, that little bit more needly, that little bit more, you know, show the teeth a little bit more. And it's made miles and miles of dividends to this team. So, you know, Galaxy um, got scored on in that first half. And to me, that's not good because then Pujol still had missed a penalty. I'm, I hear what you're saying that they figured it out, but they won on a penalty. And yeah, winning is winning. And sure, Mile love Vin Diesel as the quote from Fast and Furious. But, you know, it just, it just, for the playoffs, right? Like, for us to, like I said, get beyond one game, I need the confidence that they're going to score. I know Cabral's got, you know, whatever he's got to work through to to actually score um you know and not just I don't know let the ball dribble off or whatever it but, is that but, he does when he gets close to but, it you know I just want to see up. that confidence yeah who cares how they got there they got there you know like that's the thing. <laughs> I do I care how they got there I'm sure like there's plenty of other fans I mean you I mean come on Twitter lights up like, oh we could celebrate this win because you know we look bad at parts and we you know scored on a penalty and Kosha's you know I'm just saying we see it right I'm not a penalty unhappy count- the galaxy are going to the playoffs I'm just saying a penalty you- counts the same as any other goal it is still in the back of the net it is 1-1. We are going to the playoffs. Like, who cares how we got there? We did it. Like, <laughs> I understand this psychopathic need that you and I and all Galaxy fans share that we have to do it in this quote-unquote <laughs> beautiful way. It doesn't matter. We've passed the test. Like, we're there. We're going to go play yeah. an Island of Misfits toys next week that we should <laughs> destroy. And we will host a playoff game. Like, come on, people. Like, it's going to be okay. You know what? That's the title of this episode. I'm saying it now. Island of Misfit Toys. Um, you know what? I I know that we're still living in our own since 96 days of your like, oh, my gosh, you know, we want to win so beautifully. But I mean, look, that's why I do say I do love that quote. They're like winning is winning. I get it, you know, but I am also speaking for the fans who I see you. I hear you guys, you know, we got scored on like the, the you know, um, Gaspers in, you know, subbed in, Ugh, like, you know, we're lucky that we got a draw on her in the playoffs. Like, like I, f- I feel that too, but you know, the next step then is that what we're hoping that we end up in thirds, you know, uh, or fourth. So we would host, but then if we're in, we end in third, we won't see LAFC till conference finals, which, you know, don't you want to kind of play LAFC early because, you know, in the conference semis, you know, um, LAFC will be rested and I feel like the Galaxy will be tired. And and this goes for, yeah, okay, Island of Misfit Toys, you know, I get what's what's there, but it's like, do you want to face, you know, the penguin missing an arm or you or the, you know, deer missing an eye? Like what what is it that we're that we're facing with with these teams? Um, 
So uh, I'll, I'll quickly speak about Houston. I mean, I've, I've never seen a team that added Hector Herrera and then got worse. Um, so that speaks a lot of volumes about how bad Houston has been this year. Um, I, I look, bold of you to assume that LAFC is going to make it to the conference final. I don't think, I don't trust that defense and they've really not been particularly encouraging over the past couple of games. Um, look, I, I don't, really take a lot of stock in who we play um i think you know the galaxy have proven that they're very good in one-off games this year that's something they've done very well all throughout the season and i think also you know i don't really care how we got there you know and and i think it's funny because we we've created this myth in our heads that the galaxy were stylistically brilliant uh over you know the bruce arena period which was the you know the great success period i don't ever think those teams were particularly fun to watch I mean, they were defensively solid. That was the main focus. Um, I think, you know, they, they can beat Houston on the road. I mean, Houston, that is that is a a tire fire if I've ever seen one. I mean, again, you had Hector Herrera, who is, in my opinion, one of the great CONCACAF midfielders, and it makes you worse. I think that speaks a lot of volumes about who's around him and the coaching staff. Um, but I think, yeah, no, I, I think third is incredibly attainable. I think, you know, if they can... Obviously, you know, results have to go their way. The West is, as I've always said, a bar fight right now. Um, and the, the bar stools are now being broken over people's backs. Um, but uh, no, I, I I feel good about what they could accomplish in the playoffs. They don't have to do much to be successful this year. I mean, if they make it out of the conference, you know, out of the, the playing round or whatever the first round is into the conference semifinal, I'd consider that a success personally, uh, considering the amount of strife that occurred last season. Um the amount of change that occurred in the offseason, the amount of change that occurred in the middle of the season. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I look at next week as an opportunity. But again, I'm keeping my powder dry for uh, for the offseason at this point. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny that I didn't even realize when you said it, I felt like you psychoanalyzed me. You're like, oh, you think LAFC is going to make it to the semifinals but um no i hope not um but Look, this is the thing you know Owens... i know that the galaxy would win that right i know that they would knock them out i mean i know we lost to them like once before but like this is a team that doesn't deserve to be in third place right and then now i'm looking like oh my god maybe they can be cup contenders because anything can happen in this game this is why we joga bonito is a beautiful game we love it yeah i mean i will just quickly say this about lafc because we are running out of time and i uh i don't enjoy talking about the black and mold um, but a team that's relying on the ghost of Giorgio Chiellini and then the specter of Gareth Bale while he's playing golf, I, I don't have a lot of faith in. All right. Well, is I guess that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you guys so much uh, for listening as always. I'm so glad to be back. I hope I'll be back uh, with, we'll be back with a side of bacon next time. Um, and then she could tell you her Costa theory and, uh, yeah, stay tuned. And we got to find out when these, uh, when these playoffs start, but let's have fun and watching Houston as we always do. We will talk to you soon.